Hey folks, welcome to another episode of MLR Kickoff. Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. And what a week it was. We are past the halfway point of MLR 2022. The cream is rising to the top. We are starting to see some genuine title contenders. Some old champions resurface. LA, they're on a run now. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And the East Coast continues to get muddled as the West Coast slowly starts to figure itself out. Looks like just four teams on the West Coast in contention for those three spots. But Pete, I welcome you in as always, my friend. How are you feeling? Are you on the road? Are you home? Is this another week that we are both another home? Week this is home. America. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I got in last night at 1 a.m. coming back from Austin because I did a game. And then on Wednesday... Um, flying out to Pittsburgh for work. So I am, I happen to be home today, but not necessarily home the whole week. What about you, Dan? You're at home, but um, I presume you have travel coming up. I did. And you know, the funny thing, you were in Austin. Guess where I was while you were in Austin? I was in Denver. Were you in Colorado? No! No! Yes, yes. Ships in the night is kind of sad. I'm staring at the mountains going, I miss you guys. And then thinking, Pete's going to be staring at that same mountain in about 48 hours. It made me a little sad. But uh, I got through it. It was a quick in and out trip. Did not even leave DIA. I stayed at the Western there at the airport. Had a conference or two. It's a nice hotel, though. Really nice hotel and really convenient. If uh, there's anyone out there who wants to do a conference, that would be the place to do it. You've got to – but only downside. I know we haven't done the travel tips much this year, but – I was staying on a floor. You had to get an elevator down to the lobby and then change elevators to get down to the conference room because uh, the, the way it was set up, you couldn't just take one elevator and get off. Anyway, really, the, you know, first world problems right here, Dan, staying at the Western at the airport complaining about your elevator transitions. Speaking of transitions, let's go into our game of the week. You got to look at all the action over the weekend. Which game stood out for you and why? Well, the game that stood out for me, and it's a game that I called with Kit um, McConaughey, was San Diego against the Austin Gilbronies. And it stood out for, for two reasons, Dan. The first is it, it was like a, a weird game, right? So the team that was going into the wind did better than the team at the wind at their back. So into the wind, San Diego turned around 18-10 at half time, And then the Gilbronies scored 25 points in the second half with the wind in their face um, and only conceded three. And I actually thought that second half by the Gilgrades was probably, maybe, the, I mean, certainly I think the best half of rugby anyone has played this season. I think I think it was a real marker that they put down. They made 150 tackles in the first half, just trying to stay in the game. And the only reason, like San Diego were good and they played really well, but San Diego struggled in the set piece. They really struggled in the line. I think they lost three. But I'm not sure they, they may have out of I think they had like 12 lineouts that they won, and I think maybe three of them were clean. They just couldn't have it being being an attacking platform. Um, they were really struggling in the in the in the scrums. They considered four scrum penalties. They lost two scrums. So the Gilbronies really tightened the screw around the set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, it was a really really close game. But it that in that first half there were a couple of lineouts inside the 22 of the AGs that San Diego couldn't convert, which was their scores. But I thought it was a, an amazing game. And this Gilgronies team, I like these guys, they're, they're the best in the league, hands down right now, even better than New England, I think, right now in Ooh. terms of what they do. They've got better depth. They're rotating their players. 
Um, they were missing a couple of really key players. Um, O'Keefe was out. Uh, you know, they moved Bracky to 13, who had an amazing game at 13. Um, I, I think they've got a little bit more. They certainly had more depth than San Diego in this game. But I, I think I think the Gilgroni showed in that second half that they are the cream of Adelaide. I think it was probably one of the best second halves I've seen. Like 40 minutes of football I've seen yeah. from an MLR side in a long time. Um, it is, it is. A, I think the only thing that makes sense in Major League Rugby is it never makes sense. I mean, statistically, you'll have teams with no territory in possession and they'll win by 40. It's just right. bizarre. And, and I think that's why people enjoy watching it so much as well is because you really don't know what you're going to get on any given day. I don't know how people bet on it, honestly. I, I have no clue. <laughs> well, Although, I, I mean, like, I've kind of given up in Superbro. I don't know where I am, but I'm pretty certain you're a lot. Like, I have to look up and get out the binoculars to be able to see you on the ladder. My favorite part of the show here, folks. Yeah, I'm just pulling the, uh, the cell phone out to open up Superbro leaderboard. Let's see. Gorgeous Dan right there. Seventh place So Gorgeous Dan. So in the top 10. And then, oh, here we go. Oh, I'm cramping. Actually, not too bad. You went up to 49. You went up two spots in the weekend. But the good, if you have a good weekend, you could jump up into the 30s. Yeah, well, I actually have to still remember. I'm, I'm not even sure I got the Friday night game um, uh, put in before I realized I didn't put the spots. But, you know, back, I, 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 think, I, I think New England's really, really good. And I think that they're, they're, they're the best in the East. They've shown it. Um, but I think when the Gilgronis have their best side, which they didn't even have against San Diego, they were good. And not only did they beat San Diego, they prevented them getting even a bonus point, held them to two tries, not within seven. It's giving them a little bit of breathing room. And as we get into the second half, I mean, they've got a few road games and all these games are tough, but I don't know. I think, I think, I think the Gilgronis, I wouldn't say, I think, Dan, do they have the number one spot tied up in the West? No. Uh, no, we have so be... many games left. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I think they've only got two home games left in the stretch as well. So you've got to think that road effort's going to be tough to get through all, like the rest of April, uh, all of May, and then that first week of June before they jump into the playoffs. Like for them, they want to lock up the number one seed so they can get a week off and get healthy. Um, but they've, they've got yeah, a and, 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 and the Giltinis are, the, I think, their biggest threat, right? The Giltinis are also beginning to play to play well. Let's have a look. So, so let's, let's, I mean, is it too early for us to start being like, look at the rundown of these teams? I mean, we're into the second um, half. Right? I, I, would, I would get a feeling that once we get into May and we're looking at like four or five games into the playoffs, that's probably the time to do it because right, I think so, we'd have so, a good sample size. All right, let's, let's quickly run down the Gilgronies, right? So that um, next week they play the Jackals. Mm-hmm. Win. Okay. Expect that to be a win. Um, then they go to New Orleans. Win. Probably a win, right? Um, then they host Seattle. Win. Right. Um, then, they, um, then they have to go to the Giltinis. So that, that might be, loss. that's the loss, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to go to Utah. Win. Host San Diego. Win. Uh, I don't know. I think like maybe. I think depends. You know, there's some rumors about like uh, uh, San Diego having two Paddy Ryan's, right? And their scrum was a bit of a challenge. So if they get the other Paddy Ryan, 
You also missed Ryan. Patrick John I've, Ryan. And Patrick I've missed Aussie Ryan. Aussie Paddy Ryan. I've missed <laughs> him. Paddy he's Ryan. such a good guy. The Bush Ranger. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's an amazing scrummager, right? So, so it's things like that. Like I think San Diego can fix some of their stuff, right? So I th- I think that's a toss up. But then they then they play Houston. I'm just looking at this and I'm like, they're the guilt. I think the Guiltinis are going to have to win out, or mm-hmm. you know, they might be to drop one game. Like it's a four point difference, right? So they might be able to drop one game. Um, I think the Gilgronies, I mean, it's, they've, you know, I, I think that what I'll say is I think the Gilgronies have a lock on a playoff spot, right? They're seven points in front of San Diego without, without the yeah. walls coming off, whether they have a lock in being the number one seed. I'm not so sure. I just don't know. Like, like the Gilgronies can play with them, but San Diego couldn't. So San Diego can have to make some changes to make that happen. Remember when you won, Austin were in second place. All they had to do was get one point out the last three weeks and they didn't win a game and get a point yeah. and they missed yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, so it can happen. It can happen. Let's, let's, let's not jinx them here. I'm, I'm sorry, San Diego. Uh, sorry, Austin fans. I didn't mean that. I take it back. Uh, By the way, right. um, just, hold, on, hold on. Just quickly, as yes. we're talking about this, um, New England probably wrapped up a playoff space. They're 12 points ahead of Toronto. Uh, yeah, I'd say Atlanta's probably locked up too at this stage. Yeah, so Atlanta's 10 points up. Like, that's Oops. like, like, because there's enough. I mean, I don't know, like, Nola, like, Nola's gone, man. Oh, glory. Yeah, Nola seems. You think? Like, they did a good run last year. They went on a good run last year. So, no. this is going to happen this year? No. Toronto, New York will. We'll... Fight it out for that third spot. So keep an eye on those two. All right. Speaking of the Eastern Conference, we were very lucky to sit down with one of their up-and-coming players. The team, not doing great this year. Old Glory, they have yet to taste victory in 2022. More guys like this get on the field, though. I have a feeling that the future is going to be quite bright for the nation capital franchise Let's get him in now. Pete, it was an absolute pleasure to sit down with him. Great young kid. Excited to see his career continue to grow. Corey Daniel from the Old Glory Club. Joining us now is Old Glory back rower and former college hard man. When it came to, it's not the squared, it's not the squared, what is it, Corey Daniel? Is it, is it what's the, the wrestling mat actually called? What's the true term that we actually call it? Just a wrestling mat, it's a, it's a circle. The, the, the hard man of the circle. Yep. The hardest. Preserved your ears, though. Mate, how'd you do that? Uh, well, I wore headgear sometimes. but The um, big one. Yeah. Well, let's get back onto why you're really here. Let's talk rugby. Old glory. Back row standout. Corey Daniel joins us. Mate, again, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, big fan. Big fan of yours. I think I gushed a little bit last year about the game you had down in Atlanta for Old Glory. Uh, how have things been going this year? Um, it's been good. Um, you know, obviously our uh, our record doesn't show it, but um, I think we've taken uh, some big steps as a team recently. Um, and I know I've improved um, a lot as a player. So from the outside looking in, it doesn't. Our record doesn't show it. Um, but um, but we have been and have been improving for sure. Well, I don't want to go too deep because you know the professor's here as well, and he loves to to get into the weeds with the rugby stuff. But 
Mate, uh, you, your background, it's its not unique to rugby. We've had some wrestlers come over before. Paul Emmerich, Dan Payne jump out straight away as two big names that have made that transition from collegiate wrestling uh, into rugby. But tell us a little bit about your journey and how it ended up at Old Glory. Um, yeah, so I, um, I was done. I graduated college 2019. I, um, my, uh, my old college coach, Tony Ramos, he um he got me uh, he knew Dan Payne from wrestling back in the day. He got me set up with him. Um, said I had a rugby combine. Said okay, I'll go try it out, see if I like it. Um, and I did. I was out in Colorado. It was like a week long combine. And then they uh, they invited me back out there for an academy. And um, it was like a three month long academy in the fall of 2019. And then um and while I was there, I was uh, my tape got sent out to all the MLR teams. And um, in the back of my mind, I kind of, you know, I was, I was uh, researching my own teams and I was, I was thinking I would love to play for Old Glory. Like it's close by, it's home, family's there, friends are there. Um, seems like a good spot. And then um, it just so happened to be that uh, Andrew Douglas contacted me. Um, I had a go- couple of good conversations with him um, and he decided to, uh, to offer me a contract. And and I came back here, and I've been here for uh, for three years now. This is my third year. So, Dougie from New Zealand, obviously, no, you know, Olympic style wrestling down there. Did was it true that he reached out to Vince McMahon to see if he could get you released from wrestling to come to rugby? <laughs> I, um, <laughs> well, I actually funny story about that. I before I uh, before I started playing rugby, um, I did have a, a WWE tryout. And, um, no way. And uh, yeah, through Vince McMahon and uh, through um, uh, I forget the other guy's name, but I was uh, I was down there for a tryout. Yeah, for three days at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. Pete, I apologize. I'm gonna I'm gonna divert this thing away from rugby real quick. Mate, can you cut a promo for us? Like maybe maybe after rugby you can go back and give us a promo that you're laying the challenge down to the professor. He's the bad guy. For a match at WrestleMania, let's hear it. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. That was uh, that was part of the reason why they didn't pick me. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. Good line. Love it. Love it. Well, look, Corey, this is like this is a really great example of like USA Rugby going out and mining talent. So, like, I want to dive a little bit deeper. Like, so you know, your coach talked to Dan Payne. Did you know anything about rugby? Had you seen rugby? Had you followed it before you went out to Colorado? Um, you know, I, I might have seen it a couple times just watching TV, flipping through the channels. Um, I didn't really understand it at all. I, um, you know, the couple couple times I might have watched it in my life, I just assumed, you know, the back of my mind, I, I just thought it was kind of like football, just without pads. Um, and that was kind of like, that was my, the extent of my background in it. But, um, but uh, once I started getting, uh, getting, I started contacting Dan Payne and started talking to him. I went down uh, to a game um, in uh, Catholic University when Old Glory was having their uh, their exhibition season, and I watched the game for the first time, and it was really cool. It was really fun to watch. Uh, still didn't understand it, but um, but uh, but I think that kind of helped draw me in because it, it was exciting. It was fast paced. Um, there was really no stoppages, and uh, that was something I liked a lot. So um, so so you head out head out to Colorado. What's the biggest shock other than maybe all the sprints you have to do at altitude? Like that's probably something that was like maybe not quite what, what you did in wrestling, although wrestling training and rugby training is actually pretty similar. 
It is actually. So that's why a, yeah, that's why. But what was one of the biggest shocks about the game when you came out? One of the early in your first like few weeks in rugby. Yeah, um, I think one of them, the first one that caught me off the bat was uh, you could play offense and defense, and it could switch really quickly. And um, so you could, you could, because I used to play football too growing up. I played football um, up until college, and then. Um, you know, typically you only play one side of the ball, and, and that was a huge uh, that was a huge difference in rugby. You can play, you can go from defense to attack to defense real quickly. The changes of possession that was a big thing, um, and then just kind of putting it all together, right? Like you have to tackle, you have to run, you have to catch, you have to pass, you have to be able to ball carry, um, and you have to kick too. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts in rugby, and that was uh, that was kind of that was uh, a big shock to me. Yeah, how's the transition been? Because obviously you're a high-level athlete, right? A collegiate wrestler. Uh, but for those international viewers, it, to be a collegiate athlete in the U.S. is, is a ridiculous achievement in itself. Uh, the number of uh, young athletes funneling into the college system, especially at a good school, you're at UNC, right? Yes. Yeah, so ridiculous school as well. How has the transition to rugby been for you? Have you had moments of frustration where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a, why am I not kind of adapting quick enough or why am I struggling with these points? Or um, talk, talk us through that transition and how you've kind of handled those hurdles along the way. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely been, been moments of, uh, of frustration for me. Um, I remember a couple of times when I first did that academy um, out in Colorado, there was – we only had a couple games out there, but I was I was getting penalized for things, and that I didn't understand. And, um, and it, it was be, it would be like uh, you know uh, off my feet when I was cleaning, or a knock on, or hands in the rock, and just various silly penalties that I was committing that I didn't really understand. Like that was part of the game, and, and uh, so that was that was probably a hurdle I had to, I had to get past. But um, you know, after after every game I was I played, and even even in the years since, um, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with everything. And um, I've just tried to keep a level head. Um, you know, rugby rugby is obviously very physically demanding, but you have to be mentally tough too. Um, for when you have, a, when you have a, a drop ball or a knock on or a missed tackle or something, you know, you have to flush it and just get, get to the next job. So that was, um, you got to be mentally strong. You got you to gotta put it past you and, and just carry on. So that was, uh, that was part of it. So, yeah, now who's been one of your big – oh, oh, we're all over each other. It's two and two. It is two and two, but you and I were about to ask exactly the same question, so I'll let you go. No, I want to hear it from the professor. I'll stick to the pop no, culture. No, you go rugby. No, 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 because you were going to ask, you know, you've been at Old Glory for three years. Who have been your biggest influences, the people that had the biggest impact on your learning? You were going to ask that, weren't you, Dan? Maybe. Yeah, and I, I just can't count to two. That's my yeah. Um, well, I would say I would say for one, definitely Andrew Douglas. I mean, he's been a huge, um, a huge influence in uh, in my development. And um, and then last year when uh, Callum Gibbons arrived, that was another big help um, for me personally and also for the team. But um, I would say those two. And then even even this year, um, we had James Willicks, our attack coach. I was uh, working with him a lot before the season and preseason. Um, just on my hands and pass catching and, and stuff like that. So uh, those those three people have really helped. You know, all the three coaches of Old Glory basically. And then um, you know, there's numerous numerous players that could uh, 
I could shout out that have uh, that have also helped me. Um, are we going one on one, Dan? No, you get go. a second. You go. I'll close. I'll close it out with some some fun questions. You go. All right. So, you know, you've got a uh, um, you know, here you are in your third season. Where do you think you've improved the most? Like, where do you feel most confident in your game, and where do you feel like you have the most to grow? Um, I would I would say probably the most confident part of my game is um, is tackling. Uh, just from my my football, my wrestling background, um, I've been I've been doing a very good job of tackling, um, and then like in the contact area as well, uh, cleaning. And uh, you know, arriving at rucks on, on attack and defense, um, and they've they've improved also. But I would say, you know, the the biggest area that I need to work on is uh, just my pass catch. Um, it's, it's been a huge. I mean, I've already made big strides already, but there's still a long ways to go. Because um, I've never really, I've never really done that. I've never really had to. I've never played a sport where I have to catch a ball immediately, pass it, um, and then. You know, there's crazy offloads you can do as well. So that's that's been a challenge at times, but um, but it's it's made small improvements. But um, I'd say it's probably the biggest work on of my of my game. Rugbyed out, Pete. We rugbyed out. I'm rugbyed out. To... I'm rugbyed out. Corey, All Corey, right. you're about to be uh, like, yeah, Corey. Uh, you may want to leave right now. I don't know how good your pop culture or um, how how willing you are to throw your team under the bus. But Dan, over to you. Oh, I'm I'm in a good mood tonight, Corey. So I might just do some generous stuff. Like I'm actually, I'm really interested in the wrestling background. Like okay. I think it's probably one of the. You mentioned like obviously the ball skills, but you played some football as well. So you, you catch eye hand eye coordinations there. I would say wrestling probably has the easiest transition with contact, defense, and then contact because man, like double leg is perfect tackle technique every time. Right. Which one of your teammates that doesn't come from a wrestling background or American sports background do you think could have been a decent wrestler? Um, I know uh, right off the bat, I think Jack Ascaro is one of our uh, one of our best tacklers. Also, um, yeah. he would have been good. Um, and Don Bailey, another another very uh, fantastic tackler. I think he might have had a wrestling background though. Um, um, and Stan South also, he's a very good chop tackler. So um, I think in, any of those guys would have been good. Good yeah. South, he might have been a little tall though. Like there's yeah. a lot of lot of limbs there on a single leg to loop around on. And that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, Dan. I I kind of kind of want to know if if Corey has taken on any of the foreign players and be like, hey, let me let me show you a little bit of wrestling, like in the preseason. There's often some wrestling stuff that rugby do. Have you have you pinned any of those foreign guys? And have they ever like come up and said, "Hey, I want to I want to have a go at this." Yeah, there's there's been a couple times for sure. Um, I remember last year actually when uh, when Callum Gibbons was our uh, player coach. There was a couple times where we would do grappling um, during our during our training sessions, and he would come up and he would want to get with me, and he was like, "Go as hard as you can. I want to know how it feels." <laughs> I, I, I went with him a couple times, and. Um, yeah, and even even did this you go, hold it, did you go as hard as you could, or were you like, no, I'm I'm going to go easy because you're a player coach, and so, I still want to I still want to play. There, there was, there were, there was most of my time I would I would take it easy or not even or just go probably seventy eighty percent. 
But there was one time he was like, you know, I just, I, I want to feel like exactly like what it felt to like be a wrestler, like go as hard as he can. I said, okay. And I think I put him on his back and pinned him in about 10 seconds. Have you, have you wrestled Pete? Um, I, I have, I, I actually have wrestled a little bit just as part of training when I first came over to the States. So it is, yeah. it is ex- like wrestling and I've done wrestling um training and it is the like it makes rugby training i mean it's different right like you know it's, you're, it's running, you're running the bronco but like it's just exhausting like yeah. you're grappling it's like being in a constant mall it's being in like a mall for 20 minutes right it's it, like it really is. exhausting it really is i mean i mean some of the stuff um you know i would do for conditioning wrestling is is just outrageous so it's um it's very very very, very tough on the body. Yeah, I had a similar experience to Callum Gibbons. I wasn't wrestling. I was surviving. And I luckily went a little longer than 10 seconds, but that guy may have been generous to me. He was – he wrestled at the University of Minnesota, I believe. Gophers. Oh, okay. It's a pretty decent program. Very good. But very good. Yeah. Any, any temptation to go in a different route? A lot of collegiate wrestlers now with mixed martial arts kind of uh, exploding across the globe. I know that they kind of that's a that's a pretty convenient transition. You've you've got a head that looks like a cinder block. You probably can't take a punch. Uh, did that ever enter your mind? Um, yeah, and I, I've I've thought about it a few times. Um, but uh, but I really you know growing up, I really I really love football. That was the kind of one of my first loves in a sport, and just being on a field and being able to uh, to hit people and run the ball was something I fell in love with. And that was something similar I could do in rugby, which is probably why I, um, it attracted me so much. So, so I, I've thought about other routes, but, um, you know, just for now, at this stage of my life, um, you know, I'm fully committed to rugby. Who would you bring over? Former teammates. Anyone that you wrestled with or against that you think that they would have made it in rugby? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a bunch of guys. Um, there you a send me their numbers? Guys. Yeah, I'll do that. After the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about this season. You, you mentioned it's been a, a rough season on the field. Um, yet to, to get a win. The last two weeks, there's been a, a marked improvement, though. You're getting closer. And this week, you, you play against a team that basically just did the exact same thing Old Glory did. They made a change at head coach position. They seem a little rattled. Uh, thoughts going into this weekend's game against the Warriors? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, after after last weekend's game against Toronto, you know, I think I think our team should be heading into uh, the Utah game with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, we showed we showed a lot of great things um, during that game, so I hope we can continue, you know, to show that in training and also against Utah. Um, they're uh, they're a good team. Um, but I think if we can play consistently how we have been playing, um, you know, good things will happen for us. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you might get them this week. Just uh, I don't want to get into our tips this early in the show, but I think I think you might get them this week. I think this could be a, a good game for Old Glory to, to get a win at. I, I, yeah, right. and uh, Old, Old Glory, just I'll, I'll, I'll just put my little oar in here. Old Glory have played some great rugby. Just haven't been able to do it for eighty minutes, and and like exactly. that's that's what you know. You guys have the talent and the ability. 
you just got to put it together. So I'm with Dan. This is going to be, I think every week you guys will probably feel like you can compete and this week weekends um, just like uh, uh, is one of those weekends where I agree with Dan. I think you can compete and maybe more. So yeah. wish you guys luck. Exactly. Thank you. All right, brother. I appreciate you jumping on the show. Um, not to not to get the head too big, but I am a, I'm a big fan. Um, I think the the ceiling that you have in this game is extremely high. Um, keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Your work ethic. Keep finding people to get you better. Sharpen your tools as much as you can. I am shocked that you started in 2019. I called you last year in that Atlanta game, and I was just blown away with with what you were able to do. Uh, rugby IQ was was the roof for guys two years into his career. So keep keep holding on, mate. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and I think honestly, uh, you are only limited by yourself on how far you want to go in this game. And uh, once you're off contract, call me. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Man. <laughs> There he is, Corey Daniel, back roll for Old Glory. And uh, I'm imagining probably going to stay in Old Glory for quite a while too. If they've got uh, any any sense in them, they'll extend him for a long-term deal. There you have it. Old Corey Daniel. Uh, big fan, Pete. I know I get a little carried away at the end there and basically, you know, falling over myself to, to put him up on Man Crush Mountain. A, a, a regular listeners, Dan, a very, very, like, you know, we know that your bromance is. This is obviously, like, we've all just seen the birth of Dan's latest bromance. I, I, like I said, I called him last year in the game. Vividly stands out. Um, it may have been against Toronto in Atlanta. And I just am looking at through, you know, you're doing your prep during the week. I kept thinking it's a typo as we're doing the game. So I've got, you know, picked up rugby in 2019. I'm watching the game like, oh, they've done the old swap a on the numbers or something. There's no way this guy's <laughs> two years into his career. Some of the stuff he was doing, some of his touches, like the way he, he, he played ball in hand. I know he said he's been working on that a lot, but even then last year, he had a couple of really nice little soft touches that put other players through into space. Uh, it's, physically he's got all the tools uh, mentally he seems very very hard um, yeah. could be could be okay. a really interesting guy to watch uh, for World Cup maybe, maybe a couple more years yeah maybe a couple more years in MLR and then one of those mm-hmm. guys like following the footsteps of like Dan Lyle and Dave Hodges like one of these back row well, Dan Payne you talked about Payne yeah Dan Payne um, made that transition too so um <sighs> Man, yeah, he could be. He could be anything. All right, let's transition yet again. Two transitions in the same show. How good is this? Uh, let's go to Professor's Breakdown Rugby One Hundred and One, and wouldn't you know it, we are talking crossover athletes. The pathway. What is the pathway? Who should be on the pathway? And are we doing enough to unearth uh, the athletic talent that is currently available in this great country? Well, I think I think you heard both the strength and the challenge that USA Rugby has in in finding and developing crossover athletes in the cor- in, in the Corey Daniels story, right? So it because it starts with my coach knows Dan Payne, mm-hmm. right? So 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 like we just have to be lucky that the coaches know someone, right, within USA Rugby, right? And so and so that's a challenge. The challenge is how do we get to talk. How do we get the right people to talk to crossover the, the right crossover athletes and get and get them involved? So that's a that's a challenge. 
But after that, you can see, and, and I think World Rugby has put some money into this, but you can see USA Rugby doing good work, which is like, hey, we bring you out to a camp and then we give you this three-month intense academy, right? And so Corey Daniel, without probably that three-month intense academy, would ne- would, wouldn't even be able to make an, an, an MLR squad except the MLR team saying, all right, well, we're going to like take this guy on as a project. But that three months where he can learn the basics of the game, can get games in, that's, that's where USA Rugby and World Rugby is doing, is, is doing great work to be able to get some better athletes in, into the game. So for me, I feel like, Dan, you know, we've, got the, we've got the structure once we find them and we, we bring them in to sort of through this three-month academy, through MLR teams, through the academy teams. We've actually got a pathway for the athletes. The challenge is, the, the funnel that gets them in there, right? So, so how, do we, how do we get them in there? Because what we really want to do is we, like as a game, as rugby, we want to start making some choices. So I think one of the interesting things about Corey Daniel is that he's a wrestler. But that's not sufficient. If you really want to target the right athletes, and we did this um, with the women's national team when we were, like for sevens, when we were targeting, like we went back and we said, all right, who made the semifinals of the NCAA um, 100 meters two years ago? Right, so they made the semifinals, but not the finals of the NCAA. They're probably not going to be pro, right? Like, where are they now? But then you have to look beyond. You say, what sports did they play in high school? Mm-hmm. And so, what's interesting about Corey Daniels? He was a tight end, and the reason why that's important, just like you said, Dan, if he's a tight end, then he has good hand-eye coordination. Then we can make him a reason. He's not going to be the most natural, like catch pass. He isn't going to have the most natural catch pass, but he will be able to do it. If if someone was a wrestler and a sprinter, but has no ball skills, you're not going to be able to teach him at 23 to be able to catch one, right? And, and, and you know who does this really well, Dan? This is really interesting. The AFL down in Australia. Yeah. They go back and, and, and they recruit crossover athletes and they're like, they are so detailed that they don't, over, they don't only look what sport, what other sports, right? They're, they're looking for a whole bunch of different athletic attributes and people that can have good body awareness and catch above their head and all that, that sort of stuff. But they also look who were their coaches and how did their coaches teach them? Right. What was their coach's approach? Because when you're 14, 15, 16, if you're getting a coach that's teaching you how to think and be able to make decisions on the field, then you'll hold on to that. Right. Again, if you have a football coach that doesn't let you do that and is just telling you, like, hey, you're going to run this route and that's you're going to run the route versus making a decision on what the defense does, then that, again, that, that's going to be hard. So we need to get a really big funnel for crossover athletes on the men and the women's side to be able to get them into what is obviously a very good program that USA Rugby runs on the men's side at least to be able to get these guys in, to be able to do that. And on the women's side, the crossover athletes are far more focused on sevens. They're down at the, uh, um, the EATC. They'll come in. They have programs where they bring them in for a few weeks. They test them out. They try to identify the attributes that you can do. But for the men and MLR, we, it sounds like we've got the right structures once we've got the athlete in, but we need to find ways to have a much bigger funnel and to really mm. reach out to these athletes. Because we know for... Like there's probably a hundred Corey Daniels, right? A hundred of them from different sports, right? And we just like, how do we get them, and how do we get them in the program? Oh yeah, I think that's the challenge, right? The beauty and the challenge of rugby is is it's it's 
multiple sports rolled up in one great sport. Right. I mean, you take the the hand-eye coordination of a basketball player, the physical presence and aggression of a wrestler, you know, the athletic ability of a track and field star or a football player, and then you're like, okay, now you got to do all three, and now you got to be able to do it quickly with someone this far away from you who wants to inflict pain on you. Um, yeah, and then when that's it's right. done, there's no whistle. Get up and do it again and again and again. Then you'll get a whistle, maybe. But once a whistle blows, we're going to figure out another challenge that we're going to throw into you, whether it be a scrum or a line out. And you're just like, I don't, this is just ridiculous. You know, there's just such yeah. a, a multiverse, uh, Doctor Strange, the multiverse of athletic skills needed to be good at it. So it's yep. like for, for foreigners who grow up in it, it's just, oh, that's just what it is. I'm like, okay, right. rugby, and that's the athlete you are. But uh, like for me, like even when I was trying to get in the NFL as a punter, I get a playbook. And my playbook was the thickest one I ever had. I'm like, it's this thick. I'm like, oh, is this the whole playbook? And they're like, that's just special teams. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? They're like, yeah, that's just special teams. Like the number of variations for a field goal and a punt. I said, are we going to play these? And they're like, God, no, they're never going to let you run a fake punt. Are you serious? You're an idiot. And I'm like, why have I got this? And he goes, well, you have to know it all just in case we do run it. But you said we're never going to. Oh, no, they'll never run it. But you need to know it. I'm like, gotcha. Makes total sense. Why not? Well, it's 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 interesting because I would actually like you know you what you really want for rugby and you know so one of the challenges that we have in rugby is that like we can we can get crossover athletes right to be back row forwards right we can get crossover athletes to be wings maybe some crossover athletes to be centers where where we've struggled is the development of hookers right because throwing is 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 really a, a very difficult skill nines and tens. Right. And, and, and that's where that's where like so the solution for USA rugby in 2031. Right. And which, by the way, Corey Daniel, maybe I mean, it might be a little bit old, but he could make 2031 World Cup. Right. Yeah. Probably be 32, 33. Um, so or maybe next he's 26. Right. So it, it'd be 30, 35. Um, but but the solution for 2031 isn't just crossover athletes. Right. The solution for 2031 is. Let's find the right crossover athletes that can really, you know, take those athletic positions and really like give us some some competitive advantage. But let's also find the ten year old and the fourteen year old that's playing now and invest in them in that nine ten hooker fullback positions, so we can have both the athletic ability and the rugby knowledge. So twenty thirty one, you've got to think about both of those things. All right. It's good stuff there, Pete. I, 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 again, I think it's uh, it's a it's a high reward um, proposition that we should be all the teams should be investing money in, in building that funnel. I agree with you, and it should be big. I think we should be going, like you said, back checking all these track and field results. I think we should be looking at you know combines for other sports. Go to the NCAA wrestling and see who bows out like early in the bracket, but shows great athletic prowess or, or is a two-sport athlete. And Aussie Rules does a good job, you're right. And they quietly do it in the US quite a bit. There's, there's a few American players playing in the AFL now. Oh, is that so, right? Yeah, you wouldn't know it, but they're down there. They got them, uh, They did a camp in San Diego. They found one guy, a uh, college basketball player, and teaching him to kick was the challenge. But a couple of years down there playing some lower stuff, I think he's in the AFL now. I have to, I have to fact check myself on that one. But let's jump into the games for this weekend. We kick off Friday night footy. Yes, 
Thank you, Aaron Castro, for talking uh, to the powers to be and bringing back Friday night footy. Now I just need to find some good fish and chips. That was the tradition. You do fish and chips and Friday night footy in the power household. It was fantastic. I can't find good fish and chips. So, listeners, if you know anywhere that does good traditional fish and chips, let us know and I will ship it in because I need some fish and chips. It's the Warriors' old glory on the Rugby Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. What are you thinking here, Pete? Well, I think um, I, I actually believe in a bit of a new player, uh, sorry, a new coach bounce. So we've got a new coach bounce on both sides of this of this yeah. game, right? So so the question is, who do you think is going to have the biggest new player bounce? And you know, I I know you have hinted, Dan, and I I, I think I think this is a great opportunity for Old Glory. Um, I just actually think Utah might have too many quality players, like too many impactful players. I don't know that Old, Old Glory have as many impact players. And so I think this is going to be a really close game. And I think that, um, I think, I think old, I think Utah's going to get this. And I think it's going to be another heartbreak for Old Glory. It's interesting you mentioned the, the two coach bouncing. It reminds me of like uh, back in the, the days with the two armies both fighting for God. And it's like, well, you realize both you can't win. Like some of you are all going to die and it's the same God. But uh, it's like, hey, we've both got new coaches. We're going to win. Uh, here's my question for this week. And this is going to be an interesting thing. Did Sean Pittman have the locker room on his side when he was let go or did the locker room dictate him getting let go? You have the answer to that. You'll have the answer on how they're going to respond to this coaching change. Um, that will be the it's, challenge. Well, it's, what's the same with that? Is, is it the same with Andrew Douglas? 100%. But we've, we've already okay. seen two weeks without Andrew Douglas. Old Glory players have responded. Not to say Dougie didn't have the locker room, but right. whatever's happened there has been a positive change and the players have responded. Now, the challenge for the Warriors is, are those players going to respond or are they going to be hey, you just got rid of our coach, you know, we're not going to play for you. Uh, sports, mate, if you could, the the ecosystem of sports teams and the mental makeup of athletes in those kind of high professional environments, that's a fascinating read. You could you could yeah. do like a whole psychology, you know, PhD on that stuff. It, it is crazy how quickly, it, look at Austin. Rumors coming around, hey, you know, we're up for sale. They, they perform poorly two weeks in a row and all of a sudden it's like, hey, future's kind of, we've got a, a roadmap here for Austin. Then we're back to like, your gronies are back, baby. They're on fire. So there, there is a lot to running a professional sports team. I will go opposite you. I'll go all glory in this one. I think they'll get a, a win at home. Much needed win. I think the Warriors, I think the Warriors could, could be in for a rough finish to 2022. All right, moving on, we go set all the games on Saturday. Easter, happy Easter to the Steinberg family. Sorry, we should have started with that one. Uh, hopefully you celebrate Easter. If not, I apologize and uh, don't cancel me. Uh, all right, Saturday, NOLA at Toronto. This one at midday on the Rugby Network up in Toronto. What big, are you thinking? Big game preview because the loser of this game that's done. It's rough. I think this is a big game. Part, like one of the interesting things is I think Utah Warriors are going to be close. I think this game's close. Most of the other games, I think there's a pretty strong favorite. Okay. Right? And and I think I think this game, like Nola, if they lose this game, it's going to be really rough for them to get the playoffs. So I think this is going to be the really. I also think it's a very interesting game. So I think 
both of these teams are flawed, right? And the question is, which of those flaws are really going to like show? So I, I, this is my big game preview. So let's let, let's hold off on it. Yeah, and this one could come down to a roster too, Pete. Like in terms of oh. who's on the roster. Well, uh, especially like, like like how many scrum halves do they have left in Toronto? Well, they signed two. They got uh, Donato and McRory. McRory. Yeah. McRory so they now have really six play. scrum halves in their squad. I mean, like, that's that's some depth. That is. That's that's like, yeah, first grade, reserve grade, and uh, academy team. You know, all right. count. But all right. So we'll, we'll dive into that one a little later with our pick. San Diego at Seattle, uh, Saturday evening, six Eastern. That one also on the Rugby Network. Who are you liking in this one? Oh, Seattle, 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 right? I mean, you can just see that the potential's there, but not quite playing to their ability. Um, you know, played, like, they, they have they have talent there. Something's going on there, like um, AJ Alatimu didn't start the game. They had Kieran Joyce, who's, who's mm-hmm. solid. But Alatimu comes in and creates two tries in the second half, literally is the, like, opens up holes so there's something going on there i wonder what's like like what's driving that so this is a little bit like if if joyce starts again i think that's good for san diego san diego being beaten up right um real real problems in the scrum real problems in the line out um the seattle line is very good like ricard haddings having like an all-star all-star season um so this is going to be roster but if you had to ask me right now I would say probably San Diego. Mm. That's a bit of a toss-up. It's in Seattle, which always gets me excited for Seattle. Joycey looks like the team bus broke down and he was the mechanic to come and fix it. And they said, hey, you want to play as well? And he's like, yeah, why not? Just throw those on a jersey. Like, he's just such an unassuming good dude. Uh, I'm going to go Seattle. I, th- I think they have to win this game I, or they're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they have to win this game. And I don't, I, I'm not necessarily going against that. I think that's, that's why I'm like, I want to see the roster, right? Like, yeah, like San Diego's banged up, man. They are banged up, right? And so, you know, which means San Diego don't have any any depth. When it, we saw that on the bench. I think it's one of the reasons why the Gilgronies pulled away in the second half. So, so yeah, it, 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 this, one, this one is going to be a roster call. I think yep. if Seattle start the same team they did last weekend, I would go with that. Like, like if you said same teams from last weekend, I called both of those games. I would say San Diego wins that wins, wins that game. But you know, some different lineup changes. I think I think Seattle have some opportunities. All right, kicking off the same time in California, it'll be the SaberCats on the road against the resurgent LA Guiltinis. Uh, what are you thinking here, Pete? Oh, I mean, I think this is this is going to be an interesting game for Houston, but I think the Giltinis look really, really good. Um, Houston, like Houston that. beat LA in Houston early in the year. That was kind yeah, of the, yeah, but whoa, I think whoa, that was whoa. a different Giltinis team. They've they've, they've they've been clicking, right? Just the Giltinis have been clicking in a way that they haven't that, that they weren't doing earlier on. So I think the Giltinis, you know, I was, I mean, look, their game this past weekend was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like they're just so good. I mean, I mean, I think I think it's the good teams. I will say Houston is trending in the right direction. Sabercats fans had some lean years. They are definitely building in the right direction here. If they are going to be serious in 2022 about contending for a playoff spot, they have to win this game. They have to win big games on the road. Otherwise, you're not a playoff team. Um, do I think they can do it? Probably not. LA, ironically. As someone put up on social media today, they sung the Staying Alive 
as they were looking at their season going down the toilet and they've rattled off five straight wins since then. Yeah. And now they're back singing the other song, California, here we come. Great song, <laughs> great song. Um, can't pick against LA at home too. They Harrison Goddard being back and healthy, geez, they look like a different side with him at nine as well. And you just think, you know, Irene IE's kind of got them back into this spot. Well, I, yeah, Tom, like, I mean, coming back, yeah, maybe. Well, I think IE's like he just looks like he's actually, you know, didn't just walk off the like like take his visor off and pick up the ball, right? He's actually had training, and now mm-hmm. he's looking like a classy. I mean, his footwork is just unbelievable. Yeah, and his game management is like, like he's a world class player. You never lose that. Like, okay, your athletic yeah, yeah, ability no. fades quickly. Mentally, a world class player and a game manager, you can do that until you're you know well into your forties. Just physically, you can't do it. And he's yeah. just showing what a class player he is. All right, get your calculators ready. It's Austin on the road against Dallas. Jeez. Uh, Pete, this one could get uh, this one could get messy. The best team in the league, as claimed by the professor, yep. uh, for New England fans, that's at PJ Rugby Nine. Hit him up and let him know what you think about that. But um, what do you, well, I don't even know where to go on this one. What do you think? Uh, look, look, I think it's going to be Austin. Um, you know, Dallas earlier on in the season certainly showed that they could play in moments and had some close games. They had that accident um, that took out some of their players uh, you know you went to the second half of the season like what what's the goals for Dallas like you might be you might start seeing some younger players get time um, but also Sam Harris then middle of the season like is yeah. Isaac Ross going to play in this game I don't think nope. so I right? would not be so playing think, anyone think, over yeah. the age of 28 no, right, like, right. I think, I think, I think we're going to see a younger squad, some of the older guys on the bench if needed, and so I think, I yeah. think, you know, it, it, it's not going to be such a such a runaway as we think. There'll be an opportunity for Austin to give some guys some time that haven't had a lot of time. Um, some of the bench players will start. Some of the older players will get a rest. Um, it's a, you know, that's that's what Dallas will be right, you know, as we get into the second half of the season for some of these. So, so I think Dallas is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be the trap meet that that, that Dallas is going to win. You just said. Can I mean, just, sorry. Hey, clip that, Ginty. He clip said it. Dallas is going to win. Let's put that on the socials. Pete Steinberg going large. You need a couple of these anyway to get back in the Super Bruce. I do. I do. Like, like, like if I can pick Dallas and Dallas wins against the Gilgronies, I might, I might get all the way up into like thirty-eight or thirty-nine in the ladder. That's so. that's, uh, that's lofty for you, my friend. Lofty. Um, Sam Harris, I think we'll put out a young side to start. I think he'll put some experience on the bench just in case. Just in case yeah. something crazy like, starts to happen. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll, I, if they're in control and they're doing good, I could see the starting 15 play 70 plus minutes here across yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this is like, this is how you have to do it. You cannot, like, good coaches don't start their best team in these games and say, oh, we're going to pull away because you don't know what the referee, you could get a couple of yellow cards. So if you're starting your best 15, you're committing your best 15. What you need to do is you need to be like, we, we want strengthen, you know, we'll play, we'll play one, one of these props 80 minutes, right? They haven't played much. They can get through 80 minutes. It's about yeah. getting through. It's about preserving bodies. And, 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 and the Gilgronies are a, a bit beat, beaten up. So, so they'll, you know, they can get, they could use this game. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, big game preview. It's arrows and gold, the fight for survival. Uh, what are you thinking here, Pete? 
I, I'm shocked you picked this game because to me, I see this as like, it's arrows all day. Uh, see, I don't know. Like, like the arrows have some flaws, right? So the arrows line out is bad, right? Like, like, like their line out is bad. Um, their scrums okay. Um, I, you know, remember, like they almost lost to Old Glory, right? right. They're beaten up, right? I mean, yeah. like, like seriously, like, like, so they almost lost to a team that hasn't won a game, right? It was a like. You know, I mean, very, very close finish. Um, so, so I, I, I think this is going to be Toronto, but I think it's still the big game preview because I think it's the big game of the weekend. And I think um, Nola, you know, Nola have a very good defense, which is which is one of the challenges that I think um, Toronto have is I, I don't think that they um, they're they're a little bit undersized in the forwards, which means it's very difficult for them to really punch through on attack, right? So if you can stop their momentum, it's really hard for them to get momentum. So the fact that Nola have a very good defense and they're a, and, and Toronto, I feel like, aren't the most explosive attack means that Nola can stay in it. Um, Nola's line out is, um, has also been a, a, a challenge, as has their scrum, right? So that's why I talk about both of these teams are really flawed. That's why they, they are where they are. The question is who can fix the flaw? And I think this is going to come down to the set piece and I think it's going to come down to the penalties, right? And I think that, um, you know, Nola, um, Nola's defense has been great. They haven't looked as good on attack as they have in previous years, right? They haven't look, looked as fl- fluid. You know, it's great to see JP Elof back and, and, and beginning to look at his best. Like, so, so they've got some of those guys back that are coming back, but it doesn't feel like they've got the right attacking structure. Um, and so it's at Toronto. I mean, we know this is like Toronto have this home run, right? And if we remember last year, Nola had like, what, eight away games or seven of their last eight were away and they had to win them all. And they almost did. Like, it's just... Yeah, to me, this is just such a pivotal game because if Nola win this, they can go on a roll, mm-hmm. right? And if they lose this, their season's over. Yeah. Carl Meyer and Cam Dolan play their chance just off the back of those two. Uh, yeah, Meyer hasn't been in the lineup last couple of weeks, but it's good to see Fixie back as well. Looking good, young. Yeah. Uh, doing good. Good. Yeah. I mean, him I mean, and it's, JP. It's, yeah. It, I mean, I mean, it's it's funny because you know you you talk a lot about lineups, Dan, and you're absolutely right because. There isn't the depth in Major League Rugby, so if you lose Cam Dolan, you're probably going to lose your lineup, right? You lose Carmaya, you're probably going to lose like the 60 meter boot. Like you're going to lose 20 meters in field position. Like no one has players that are backing up those guys that are as good as those guys. Yeah, yeah. One day we're getting there, buddy. A few more Corey Daniels, yeah, yeah. And they're going to be uh, sold as a rock. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. That was a long one. Uh, enjoyed. I enjoyed our chat with Corey. It was good. I enjoyed my chat with you, as always. Um, plans for the weekend. Where are you going to watch these games? Well, Easter, it's, um, so. it's Easter. Right, but none of the games are on Sunday. So I right. will probably like be sneaking around with my iPad trying to watch the games while looking after the kids. Nice. So, that's probably what it's going to be. Um, yeah, so so I'm 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 traveling a little bit this week, but I'll be back Friday morning, and then uh, the Friday night game. Uh, like I like those games, so I'll be looking forward to that on Friday me night. Too. That's a good time for me. Be able to watch that with the kids. Uh, the only challenge is Friday night is movie night, and I'm pretty certain Penelope and Elliot aren't going to be like, hey, 
well, let's watch this rugby movie for movie night. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to probably watch that. I'll, I'll probably get kicked up upstairs. Invictus, uh-huh. maybe a little bit advanced for like a five-year-old and two-year-old. Give it, give yeah. it a year or two. There's your crossover athlete. What? Get Matt Damon into an MLR squad. So realistic. It wasn't. Didn't look bad at all. <laughs> I think the only thing that was worse was uh, was it. What's is it? Scott Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's son, who took the the Stransky drop gold. And I'm just like I'm watching it going. Ugh. So, so I, 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 if if I remember correctly, um, Francois Pinar is like six four, and Matt Damon's yeah. like five nine. He's six three and a half. Six three and a half. So I'm like that's like as soon as you see that like Francois Pinar's a big dude. He's a big dude. So great movie. Uh, look, look, for 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 many around the world, that might that might be the most that they've ever learned about rugby. Yeah, spoiler alert, uh, they left out the food poisoning. South Africa cheated. Uh, but, oh well, in the past now, all gone. And uh, we will wrap it up on our food poisoning friends from uh, from Africa. Until next week, Pete, it's been a pleasure. Never a chore. For Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty and our entire team at MLR Kickoff, I'm Dan Power, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>